Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Hello, my darlings. This week's question is short and sweet, and it goes like this. Is one's ability or method of telling the difference between anxiety and intuition based on their sign? What tools might I have based on my own birth chart? And this question comes from intuition versus anxiety. And she was born on October 21st, 1976 at 1225 AM in Upper Sandusky, Ohio. USA. So this is a really great question. Here's the first short answer. No, you cannot tell the difference between anxiety and intuition based on your sun sign alone. So the sun in astrology represents your identity and your will and your sense of self. It's, you know, the brightest light in the zodiac, right? It's this, the way that you shine. When we are talking about something as complex as anxiety or as nuanced as intuition. We cannot look, first of all, to one simple place. And it's really seductive to want to, you know, get all of your answers out of sun sign astrology. The over-reliance on the sun in astrology, so quote, your sign, in order to determine all manner of things about your nature, especially something like your innermost nature with intuition and anxiety, is just not realistic. So when we are talking about something like anxiety and your sun sign, your sun sign will do a lot to describe how you identify in relationship to your anxiety, how you relate to your intuition. You know, there's ways that the sun is very instructive, but on its own, I mean, I just wouldn't be true to the way I use astrology or my understanding of the human condition to be talking to you about like, all Capricorns experience anxiety like this. All Geminis experience intuition like that. It's just not like that. So let's talk about anxiety and intuition. And of course, take a peek at your birth chart. Just really broadly, let's start off with this. There are a lot of ways to experience anxiety. And there's a lot of ways to experience intuition. A lot of people, I mean, I hear this over and over again from people have a hard time deciphering their intuition from their anxiety and vice versa. So here's a little pro tip. Your intuition is not emotional. There's no emotion with intuition. So you may have an intuitive hit of something and then pretty quickly have an emotional response to that intuitive hit. But the hit itself is neutral because your intuition itself is neutral. Anxiety, not so much. Anxiety is kind of tinged with an emotion. And generally that emotion is difficult to experience and stay present with. It's a hard feeling, right? And so when you have a strong, clear hit on something and it's tinged with panic, it's not your intuition, Okay, which doesn't mean it is without value and that it's wrong necessarily. I mean, it might be without value and it might be totally wrong. And it also might not be, but it's not intuition. Intuition can be experienced many different ways. But again, it's not a stressful emotion. It's not an emotion at all. Just not an emotion at all. So that's your quick little hot take on that. 
Now, I want to add one more little thing, which is in case you didn't catch it on episode 167, I uh, shared an interview where I talked about medical astrology and chronic health conditions. And I got a million questions from you all about medical issues. And when we are looking at something like medical conditions, uh, whether it's mental health or physical health, it is a very dangerous enterprise to seek astrological answers first and foremost, and to seek them in a generalized sense. So whether we're talking about anxiety and anxiety disorder, uh, medical conditions of any, any shape or size, it is really important for me to say to you, it is not a beginner's astrology point of investigation. It is not something if you do not have a solid foundation in astrology, if you're not an intermediate or advanced astrologer, I, I just cannot strongly enough say, do not look in your or anyone else's birth chart for medical issues. It's just, it's unethical. You can't do it yet. And that's okay. You know, we all have a learning curve. If you don't have knowledge of the body, if you do not have knowledge of, you know, mental health in general, do not go counseling friends or family or clients, dear God, on mental health issues, right? It's really important that we use common sense with astrology. And associated with that, you know, recognizing that wherever you're at in your astrology study, you can't jump to the most delicious and fun part if you're not ready for it, if you don't have a foundation underneath it. If you're talking about something like mental health or body health, it's serious. So, you know, treat it with the respect it deserves. Okay, now to your birth chart. As I've talked about before on the podcast, there's two different planets I associate with anxiety. So not situational anxiety where it's like, oh, I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. But, you know, kind of chronic ongoing anxiety, regardless of how mild or severe that it is. We want to look to Neptune, which is associated with feeling like you're falling apart not knowing where you begin and end, panic attacks, this kind of Neptune governs disintegration and formlessness. So that kind of anxiety. And the other kind of anxiety we can see in the birth chart is generally articulated through Uranus. So Uranus is being super distracted, finding so many things interesting that it's hard to pick one. Uh, Uranus is really about being in the future instead of the present. So it's a different form of anxiety. It is less likely to produce per se a panic attack, but it is very likely to produce a sense of agitation and restlessness and the kind of nervous anxiety that a lot of people experience. That said, do not rush to your birth chart to see where Neptune and Uranus are quite yet. Because as I look at your chart, intuition versus anxiety, your chart is actually a really great example of how it is not that simple. So let me unpack this and then I'll get to the part about intuition. So in your birth chart, you have something called Pluto conjunction to Mercury, and it's at the base of your chart. It's at the lowest point, also called the IC of the birth chart. This gives you obsessive and compulsive thinking. Your thinking has a tendency to get really cyclical and return to the same idea over and over and over and over and over again. And your thinking can get really deep, but also it's hard for you to know when to rein it in. It's hard for you to know how to let it go. Pluto conjunction to Mercury, Pluto square to Mercury, Really, Pluto doing anything with Mercury can turn you into a bit of a dog with a bone, and you're not willing to let anyone touch the bone until you're done eating the whole bone. I actually don't know if dogs eat bones. 
bones, but chewing the bone to completion? I don't know. I'm a cat person. Okay. So Mercury-Pluto conjunction of itself is not an aspect in the birth chart that I associate with anxiety. However, because it gives you such compulsive thinking and it's hard to let go of things, this can become something that leads to anxiety. Let me tell you why. Because your brain does that at the same time, you have a moon in Virgo at the very last degree of Virgo. It gives you a bit of a perfectionistic emotional predisposition. Let's add another layer. You have a Mars Uranus conjunction that creates a sense of restlessness in the body, a sense of always looking for the next big thing, the next shiny thing, the next next exciting thing. You know, Uranus, like I said, it gives you a real sense of restlessness and impatience. And Mars is related to the body and it has an urgent energy to it. So having Uranus and Mars really is kind of eggs you on. So if we are looking at your birth chart and a compulsive thought pattern is your norm and you're restless in your body and perfectionistic in your heart, that is likely to boil down to anxiety. Now, on top of it, you've got Saturn in the first house. It's part of a beautiful grand trine. It's a fire grand trine between Saturn, Neptune, and the midheaven, which suggests that you are likely to have chosen or to choose, depending on where you're at in your life, a career or a lifestyle that supports you in using your anxious predispositions uh, and turning them into a service of some kind, like doing something with it. That's that's Saturn and the Midheavens role here. Now, when we kind of pull back and look at this in the context of your question, which is intuition versus anxiety, it can be hard for you to know what your intuition is because you have such a loud brain. It's it's loud. It's yelling at you all the damn time. That said, Pluto conjunction to Mercury can also be associated with psychic ability. Neptune trine to Saturn or Neptune as part of a grand trine can be associated with a really strong, solid, reliable intuition. So what's the answer? This is where the answer is pretty consistent across all sun signs and and all planetary alignment. In order to receive the subtle voice of your intuition, you need to be present. You need to be willing and able to hear your own inner knowing. And oftentimes, when we are hearing from our guides, our ancestors, when we are hearing the voice of our intuition, it is a little bit of a different tonal voice than your regular thinking and your regular instincts. Again, it's not emotional, it's neutral. But if you don't have space inside of you, if you are reacting to your thoughts and feelings without enough spaciousness in between your impulse and your action, your thought and your reaction, if you are not allowing for enough space, it can be very difficult to effectively determine what your intuition is saying. There's no magic bullet, my loves. There's no quick fix. All there is, is slowing down, dropping in and receiving, not seeking, receiving. And that is really hard if you have an anxiety 
driven nature, or if you have an avoidant nature, or if you have a perfectionistic nature. In other words, it's really hard if you're a person. So the best way to engage with this is as a practice. To practice being present with your feelings and thoughts for long enough to determine what's a reaction, what's an insight. Now, one more thing I want to say about this is pretty important, but maybe a little bit obvious. So bear with me here. Your intuition doesn't save you from anything. Nobody's intuition is like, again, a magic bullet. It's not a savior. Instead, our intuition is a part of the human psyche. It's a part of our inner resourcing. If you can figure out a way to create a lifestyle that honors your inner life, that makes space for your feelings and your thoughts and your gut instincts and all the other things that happen in your innermost psychology and your innermost feelings. If you can find ways of prioritizing, honoring those things and bringing mindfulness and care to how you speak to yourself, to what you do alone with yourself, then over the course of time, you will get better and better at understanding what your intuition is saying and how your intuition speaks to you because it is individual. Once you get to a certain level or layer with it, it'll change just like everything else, like your hair, your face, your job, everything, right? It's not static. And when we talk about intuition, psychic stuff, there's a way that I think we get a little bit idealistic. Like there's a single answer and there's a single approach and it's like this magic thing that will save you from feeling bad or having stressful thoughts. And that's just not the way it works. And it's not how it's meant to work. So be gentle with yourself in your process and also practice being receptive even when it doesn't work or it doesn't seem to work. On January 5th of 2021, Georgia has the opportunity to flip the U.S. Senate blue and whether or not you're in Georgia, you can get involved. Here are some organizations that you can donate to and volunteer with and the links to them all will be in show notes. One superstar on the political scene is Stacey Abrams. I know you've heard of her, but let me just tell you about her organization, Fair Fight, whose mission it is to advocate for free and fair elections by fighting voter suppression and promoting fair elections in Georgia as well as around the country. You can donate and find out more about how to get involved over at fairfight.com. Now, there's another organization I want to share with you, which is called the New Georgia Project. They seek to empower the new American majority to vote through advocacy and engagement. You can go to their website at thenewgeorgiaproject.org to donate and get involved. And finally, you need to know about Black Voters Matter. Their goal is to increase power in marginalized, predominantly Black communities. Effective voting allows a community to determine its own destiny. Get involved and donate at blackvotersmatterfund.org. Link to all three of these orgs will remain in show notes. Darlings, 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 listen. You know I like a preamble. You know I love to get into it before I get into it. But not today. Today I can't do that because there's too much going on astrologically. There's too much to say. We are looking at the week 
of December 13th through the 19th of 2020. And it kicks off with an eclipse. Let's talk about it. So you may have noticed all week leading up to the 14th. So for the last like seven to 10 days leading up to the 14th, that you're feeling increasingly more emo and overwhelmed. Because of the eclipse, we can absolutely expect that emotions have been running high. So if you personally haven't been feeling particularly emo, yay you, congratulations, super jelly. However, you are likely to be dealing with other people whose emotions are running high. So what do you think that means? It means a lot of things, but I have noticed, and maybe you have too, that a lot of people have been dealing with imposter syndrome. A lot of people have been dealing with confusion uh, about where to go next and a desire to figure it out. What, what, where am I going to go? How should I point myself? What's the next step? There's some meaningful reasons for this. So let me explain. See, what we have on the 14th of December is a solar eclipse in the sign of Sagittarius. So solar eclipses happen during new moons. And new moons are generally times for openings and beginnings. They occur when the sun and moon are at the exact same degree of the exact same sign. And in this situation, we have at 8.17 a.m. Pacific time, the sun and moon meeting at 23 degrees of Sagittarius. And there's a few other transits that will be exact that day as well. But I want to go kind of like big picture and then really zero in on that eclipse. Having the eclipse in Sagittarius, from my perspective, is very much a call for us to revisit our narratives. And so if you have an old narrative running that you're not good enough, or that you're better than everyone else, whichever it is, if you have an old narrative running that you are a particular way, even though your lived experience may contradict that story, then this solar eclipse is likely to have been kicking up or to be kicking up really intense internal struggles around your narrative. But here's the good news. You're supposed to change the narrative. The eclipse is an opportunity to really look at the story you're telling yourself about yourself, about your life, about other people, what they were thinking, what they were meaning when they did the thing or they didn't do the thing or whatever it is. What we want to be able to do is look at those narratives and be curious. What is true? What is actually true here? And let's add a layer of complexity, which is Saturn is in the final degree of Capricorn. It's not going to come back here for another 29 years. That's a meaningful amount of time. And so Saturn in the final degree of Capricorn Paired with this eclipse, I am seeing is showing up as kind of an internal struggle for people around humility versus insecurity, not feeling good enough instead of just being humble about what you do or don't know. So my advice to you, separate from everything else I'm going to talk about here today, is to if you're struggling with imposter syndrome, any version of imposter syndrome, to look honestly at where you're at, where you've come from, and what's true now, evidentially true now. And if you need to be humble, because you're not where you want to be, or you're not as far along as you would prefer to be, or you made a mistake or whatever the hell it is, if you need to be humble, be humble. 
Don't confuse the need for humility with the need for guilt or shame or embarrassment or by calling it failure. There's no need to call a thing failure when you are experiencing a regular human development of a learning curve. The thing about this solar eclipse, this new moon in Sagittarius and Saturn in its final moments of Capricorn is it's kind of a contradicting set of energies. And this contradiction on a felt experience level can make you feel both like, oh, whatever, it'll all work out. And like you have to go through everything with a fine tooth comb. Everything is totally written in stone. These feelings are kind of contradictory to each other, but that doesn't mean you're not feeling them at the same time, right? It's the fucking complexity of being a human. We are messy benches, each and every one of us. So be gentle. Be gentle with yourself. Be curious. Don't be so set in your story that justifies your feelings, especially your crappy ones, that you actually don't investigate what is possible, what is true. That's what the astrology of the time wants us to do. Okay, so let's talk more in depth about this damn eclipse. Like I said, happening on December 14th, 8.17 a.m. Pacific time, and the sun and moon will be meeting at exactly 23 degrees and eight minutes of Sagittarius. On a personal level, we can expect a number of things to occur. The first is confusion and uncertainty, and that is not because of the sign of Sagittarius, but instead because Mercury and Neptune are forming a square to each other. And if you want to throw in the nodes, we will call it a T-square. And what the kind of effect of this Mercury-Neptune square in the solar eclipse chart is doing is it's obscuring the details so that we focus on the big picture. Sagittarius is associated with both big picture truths and also the synthesis of details and the synthesis of data or the synthesis of lived and felt experience. If you focus too much on the details, on what one person said to you or what happened in this individual time, then you're missing out on what the solar eclipse is trying to teach you, which is about something much broader and even more spiritual, both Sagittarius and Jupiter, Jupiter being the ruling planet to the sign of Sagittarius and the planet Neptune are the two most kind of spiritualizing or spiritual forces in the zodiac. And so when we see them both very prominently placed, we can expect to both feel more spiritual, to need more spiritual care and attention to our own lives and our own commitments, you know, making sure that what we're doing reflects our truth. But the other thing about all this spiritualizing energy is that it doesn't want us to get hung up on the damn details you know, and I'm not saying ignore the details or that the details are unimportant. But I am saying when we talk about eclipses, we're talking about the moon, we're talking about feelings and emotions. The moon rules over the tides, it is all about ebb and flow. Whenever we're dealing with the moon, we're not dealing with the singular destination. We're dealing with the ebb and flow right? And so if you focus on your ebb, or you only give attention and energy to your flow, you are not in a state of wholeness with your moon or with the moon in general. It's not about being static or in one place solidly. 
It's about being present for the shifts that are inevitable and healthy. What is really fucking this whole beautiful thing I'm telling you up, (laughs) because of course something's got to fuck something up, is that Mars is still in Aries. Damn it, Mars is still in Aries, my friends. Just just creating a sense of urgency and defensiveness in each and every one of us. And it is forming a square to Pluto. Pluto at 23 degrees and 38 minutes and Mars is at 20 degrees and 43 minutes of Aries. So these two jerks are forming a 90 degree angle to each other, which is increasing defensiveness, a sense of performance anxiety, a sense of I need to prove myself. How dare that person feel that way about me or act that way around me? Those people are bad. Those people are wrong and I'm right. Okay, so on a more personal level, if you are dealing with authentic injustice, if you are dealing with harm caused, whether you cause the harm or someone else caused that harm to you, whether it's personal or systemic, this transit, this Mars square to Pluto, which is not exact till you'll hear me talk about it again, but this transit in the solar eclipse chart is absolutely intense because it's urgent and demanding in its nature. And then when you throw in a little solar eclipse, new moon in a fire sign, uh oh, you have a a lot of restlessness and patience and urgency. And what that can look like is just feeling off no matter what you do, like a cat in a cage. I mean, a big cat in a cage, you know what I mean? Like a non-domesticated cat in a cage. You might be feeling a sense of just exhaustion because as I mentioned earlier, Neptune is pretty strong in this chart. And when you add water and fire, what do you get? Oh yeah, you get steam, a lot of hot air. That's exhausting. The felt experience of that elemental reality is, it's exhaustion. And so there is a way that this combination of transits in this chart is inevitably going to be overwhelming. So you might deal with somebody else who overwhelms you or a situation that overwhelms you, or you may just overwhelm your own damn self through the power of your mind. (laughs) But at the end of the day, there's an opportunity, right? The opportunity is for you to be present for the truth of what happens inside of you when you feel defensive, when you feel a drive to power, when you feel the need to be recognized for something, or when you basically beat yourself into submission with shitty stories about how shitty you are or someone else was to you or whatever it is. This energy is intense. And as I said, it is happening at the same time that Saturn is in the final degree of Capricorn, which is a powerful place for any planet to be in the final degree of a sign. And so the pressure to have material evidence to substantiate your feelings as proof that you are whatever it is that your story that you have is saying you are, whatever kind of story you're telling yourself about where you're at or what you are, your value, somebody else's value, somebody else's motives, your motives, whatever it is, it's likely to be really driving and defensive around now. Now, let's say you yourself are not defensive. Again, Yay, you look at you. So exciting. Somebody you're dealing with is defensive. Somebody you're dealing with is dealing with self esteem and anxiety and a drive to prove themselves either to themselves or someone else. And so it's in the air. 
Within all of this, again, I want to pull you back to looking at your narrative. As I always say during the eclipses, and I feel like I gotta repeat it, do not do rituals, do not do magic or spell work during an eclipse. The eclipse energy is too dramatic and unpredictable. It is its own magic spell work. You don't need to fuck with that kind of stuff on an eclipse. Save it for new moons and full moons in general. That said, I really want to encourage you to do some form of sitting with yourself, whether that is through like literally just sitting on your buns and like writing it into your diary and really evaluating your stories. I would also recommend looking at past journals. If you kept a journal in 2020, 2019, look back, see how far you've come, see what you've been struggling with, see what you've overcome. The other thing to consider in this period and with this transit is the need for you to experience and express anger and resentment, whether it's towards yourself or someone else. Now, I'm not saying express it to other people. That would be a terrible fucking mistake unless you absolutely have to, unless there's like, you know, a safety issue or something like that. I'm not encouraging you to get into it with people. What I'm encouraging you to do is to know that contrary to popular belief in like the love and light sector, Having negative thoughts and being honest about your negative thoughts with yourself is healthy. It's okay. You don't have to have only positive thoughts. That's unrealistic. It's, it's not what we do. Having negative thoughts is not a problem. Denying that you have negative thoughts, denying that you have negative feelings, that's the problem. Because what's going to fuck you up in the long run is denial, whether it's self-denial or just denial of the truth. Because when it comes for you, because, you know, the truth is true, whether you want to accept it or not, whether you like it or not, when it comes for you, it'll trip you up. So whatever thing you don't want to feel, you're still going to have to feel it sooner or later. And on top of it, it's going to trip you up. So I want to encourage you to be willing to investigate and be honest with yourself about your heavy, shitty feels. Now, it could be thoughts. It could be feelings. Mars square to Pluto. This transit is likely to kick up shame and blame and defensiveness because Mars and Pluto are the two fighters of the Zodiac, right? They're the two like, let me prove to you my worth by achieving dominion over you kind of dudes. So this could really be a solar eclipse that kicks up those feelings. Like I said at the onset, I've seen a lot of people online expressing their feelings in such a way that it's really concerning me how many people are directing those feelings towards themselves. So be gentle, be kind, be interested in the ways in which you are not kind to yourself. Be interested in the ways that you give some people a pass in society or in your friend crew or in your family and other people never get a pass in your eyes. Is that okay? Is it harming you? Is it not harming you? You know, I am of the mind that hate is a really difficult energy and a really difficult emotion to bear over the long term. It has a corrosive weight to it. And eventually, if you hold hate inside of yourself, whether it's towards you or someone else, something else, it harms you. And it generally harms you more than it harms anyone else. And that's really different than anger. Anger can be channeled, it's energy. It can be channeled into something creative and constructive. 
And that's what we want. We want to be able to mobilize off of our emotions instead of get trapped by them, right? Or trap ourselves by them. Look at the ways in which you feel petty or resentful or hateful or angry. And be honest with yourself. That Sagittarius solar eclipse wants honesty. It wants honesty more than it wants anything else. So seek the damn truth. And if it's hard to bear, all the more reason to stay with it, to not abandon yourself or the reality that you live in, whether you like it or not. Now, that's just the personal of the solar eclipse. So the solar eclipse and uh, the final votes on the Electoral College are all coming down the pike at the same damn time. Does the degrees of the solar eclipse hit the current sitting president's chart pretty damn directly? Uh, Yes, it does. Indeed, it does. Yes, it does. Am I going to talk about the current sitting president's chart? No, I'm not, because I don't have any interest or desire to give that human person any more of my energy than he's already had over the last four years. That's just not what's happening. Now, that said, I don't expect this to go. I don't think any astrologer expects this to go smoothly, easily, and without bumps. I don't think any astrologer expects this to be uneventful, right? I shouldn't speak on behalf of all the astrologers, but I'm going to do it anyways. I did it. That's it. It's done. I just don't think this is going to go uneventfully. That's just not what's realistic here in this situation. I'm actually not going to do any kind of hard predicting about what's going to come because between this and the very soon forthcoming great conjunction on the 20th, don't worry, I'll talk about it more in depth very soon. We just really need to do our best to engage with uncomfortable and difficult feelings like fear and anger and defensiveness, right? If you're doing that work, then you can engage with whatever is happening in the world around you, all those things that are out of your control with more grace and effectiveness. And that's really, I mean, it's not kind of what it's all about, getting that grace, getting that effectiveness, if possible. And when you can't get those things, when you fail at those things, having grace around that, having a little bit of humility around that. So on this same date, on the 14th in the solar eclipse chart, we have an exact Mercury trying to Mars and another exact transit of Venus sextile to Jupiter. These transits are really lovely facilitators. I would not say that they are stronger than the more difficult transits. Um, I just I just wouldn't say it. So I'm not going to. But Mercury trying to Mars is motivating. It can help you with being investigative or it can egg you on to speak without consideration or act without consideration. So you definitely want to, as much as possible, be inquisitive, strive to be present before you open your trap or act out. Um, Venus sextile to Jupiter is a lovely transit and it does increase empathy and the ability to connect with others or to align or realign with your values. Now, Jupiter is associated with your philosophies and beliefs and Venus, your actual values, uh, what you hold dear. And so having a lovely little sextile between these two planets is it's just really well starred in the context of these heavier, deeper themes. Don't forget what you believe in. Don't forget your value and the value of all people. Now, on the 15th, we have another exact transit. It it is a Venus sextile to Saturn, which is stabilizing. So whatever it is that comes up on and around, you know, the 14th and the eclipse, this is just going to be really good for focusing your energies, attention, 
and your actions on creating or fortifying stability in your life. So that could be in the context of your relationships, that could be in the context of, you know, your finances or, you know, your spiritual practice, it doesn't have to be any one thing. It always depends on what houses it's hitting and if it's like triggering any kind of natal aspects. But I will say the Venus sextile to Saturn is a lovely transit to have as a bridge between this damn solar eclipse and Saturn's transit into Aquarius. Saturn moving into Aquarius is a very meaningful shift. It only is in Aquarius. It's only on each individual sign once every 29 years, right? So when we look at the transit of Saturn in Aquarius, we are looking at an important time in history. I promise you that I'm going to talk about the Great Conjunction in the forthcoming hot take and then again in the horoscope for next week. So it's it's going to come and it's going to come soon. Don't you worry. But Saturn's move into Aquarius is just so important when we are talking about issues of social justice, the needs and rights of the people. When we are looking at issues related to technology, which no big deal, I'm just doing everything through technology these days, right? And Saturn is community and so is Aquarius, just kind of different vibes on community. Saturn governs a sense of obligation, duty and responsibility. And then Aquarius is organizations and groups and it's it's like the people, it's communities of humans connecting. Now, the thing that is really important about Saturn moving into Aquarius is all of these structures that have gotten rigid, that have amassed power during the transit of Saturn through Capricorn over the past couple few years. Ooh, they're in for a little bit of a rude awakening, which is exciting, right? We want that. But it won't happen just because a planet moves into a sign. It'll happen because the people get activated and we stay activated. This is so important. And again, I will talk about it a lot more soon. I even have a class on my website about Saturn and Aquarius that I gave several months ago. So you can you can get that there. Saturn's move into Aquarius is going to be a time where our relationship to technology meaningfully changes. Our structures, and when I say structures, I mean our organizations, our institutions, our government, and corporations, right? Like big corporations are all going to have to change. They're all going to have to bend or break. It's time. Tick tock, tick tock. So there's a lot more to say about that. But on a felt experience, depending on your birth chart, you may or may not notice this transit personally, right? I think the primary way that I am seeing people resonate with this is an intense amount of pressure. Saturn is pressure. Whenever we're dealing with Saturn's energies, it feels like things are written in stone, like they're immovable. We tend to respond in a fear-based way, a perfectionistic or hypervigilant way, or a rigid way. Conversely, you might just get freaked out and scared and shut down. Saturn's energies are demanding. And when we see a shift of Saturn through the signs, we can expect meaningful social developments. Now, the last time Saturn was in Aquarius was between the months of March and July of 2020. So we had a little taste test of what we can expect over the next couple few years. You can look at what was happening in your personal life between March and July of 2020. And you can also look at what was happening in the world. Nothing much, right? March 2020, nothing much happened. Everyone agree? Cool. 
Okay, so we'll get more into Saturn and Aquarius in future episodes. But we have next to talk about Jupiter moving into Aquarius on the 19th, as well as a sun conjunction to Mercury on that same day. When astrologers talk about the great conjunction, it is when Jupiter and Saturn meet the exact same degree of the exact same sign. These things happen once every like 19 or 20 years. Again, I'll get into it in, you know, forthcoming episode. So on the 19th, Jupiter moves into Aquarius. And let's just take a moment to acknowledge that it takes about 12 years for Jupiter to move through the sign. So the last time Jupiter was in the sign of Aquarius was approximately 12 years ago. You know, I, I see online a lot of people saying like, oh, Jupiter is not happy in Capricorn. Um, and, you know, there's an astrology to justify that way of thinking. But I would suggest that Jupiter in Capricorn has brought so much more social awareness to power struggles to hierarchies in society, to injustices from the top down. It's allowed us to really see the ways in which we belong to each other and we owe each other something. We have a responsibility to each other. And I've seen more people embracing this through the transit of Jupiter and Capricorn than I had before. And so I don't actually think Jupiter and Capricorn has been a bad thing. However, that awareness that we have developed as a society, as, as a team, if you will, during Jupiter's transit through Capricorn is now going to be shifting gears in such a way that we can expect a great deal of change. And when I say change, I mean social change, but also because of the sign Aquarius, we can expect change in the context of technology. This can look a many different ways. However, this particular transit is going to be an opportunity for us to come together for each other. Now there's more time for us to unpack these outer planet shifts of Saturn and Jupiter. We will do it soon. This week, I really want to keep on bringing you back to the present moment, to your felt experience and to the narratives that you've been holding dear so that you can assess whether or not they are true, whether or not they are serving you or anyone else, and whether or not they need to be revised. The emotions that eclipses kick up are no joke. You do not need to understand them. You do not need to do something. You need to be kind. You need to be nurturing. This is, a t- I mean, you don't need to do anything. But what the moon wants from us is our presence and our care and our nurturance. It wants a safe place to be present. It doesn't need you to figure everything out. That's other planets, okay? When it comes to the moon, when it comes to a solar eclipse, you really want to think about, am I able to be present and bear witness to my own feelings? Am I willing to feel whatever I'm feeling? And if not, how do I distract? What am I doing to change the script? This is a powerful time for coming to awareness and then taking that awareness and transforming it into something you can use something that inspires and uplifts and moves you forward. My loves, as always, I thank you for joining me here on Ghost of a Podcast. Please also join me on Patreon at, uh, you know, patreon.com slash Jessica Lignetto. If you want more goodies and extras and just to connect. Also, if you 
get value from the podcast and you would like to let me know about it, then go ahead, write me a damn uh, review over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts, because it makes me feel good. I love feeling good. You know, whenever a Capricorn can get it, we get it. And I'm going to look forward to talking to you very soon. Uh, Really, it's only going to be a couple of days. So don't miss me too much. Every year they say the end is near. But we're still here. Yeah, we're still here.